This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What do you wish you had known when you'd started thinking back to that time? Gosh, there's so many things that I wish I, I had known. I think... Welcome to Game Dev Advice, the game developer's podcast, your place for resources and in-depth conversations with other game development professionals. I'm your host, John J.P. Podlasic. I've worked at 10 different game companies, starting back in 1989 with the TurboGrafx-16. Over the decades, I've developed games like Mortal Kombat, Avengers Initiative, Beavis and Butthead, and numerous others. I now work for a startup called Level X. But this podcast isn't about me, it's about you and the game development community. So if you have questions or ideas, give a call 224-484-7733 or go to the gamedevadvice.com website. So let's kick things off with the new Game Dev Advice. Welcome to a new episode of Game Dev Advice. Two shout outs before we get started. A big one to Emil, game producer at Scarlet Genesis and a Gain Wisdom Patreon member I'm working with each month on his team's project. Another is Twitter listener Undead from Project Undead, who suggested I reached out to Simon Sinek. I did, and fingers crossed, something will happen. In this episode is Renee Gittens, the executive director of the IGDA and a multidisciplinary leader with expertise in software engineering and creative direction. She is also a passionate advocate and connector for developers and diversity in the game industry with a background that spans across engineering, design, and production. She's outspoken about initiatives to increase diversity both within the game industry and gaming overall to help the game industry grow and improve for everyone. Super excited to have her on tonight's episode. Hi, Renee. So um, where are you calling in from tonight? Hi, I'm calling in from Seattle, Washington. Great city. Um, it's kind of, of a tri- nerd haven. <laughs> that might be why I like it. Yeah, I've, uh, I have a lot of friends out there and I've always enjoyed my time out there and between the music and the the coffee and uh, the bars and people. and So what's your current role? And part two, exciting new position I saw on LinkedIn. What yeah. Comfortable talking about it. I'm currently the executive director of the International Game Developers Association, the IGDA. Uh, mm-hmm. The IGDA is a nonprofit professional association that supports and empowers game developers in achieving fulfilling and sustainable careers. Uh, However, I'm going to be stepping down from this role and returning to the IGDA Board of Directors and stepping Mm -hmm. up into the role of General Manager for Phoenix Labs Vancouver. Um, I've I've heard of them. uh, Can you tell me briefly about Phoenix? That's exciting. Yeah. um, So Phoenix Labs is a quickly growing company with multiple studios. Vancouver is their main office, and it's well known for Dauntless, which is a... uh, MMO. So how did you get started in the video game industry? 
Now that's a, that's a fun story. Um, so I actually didn't know that you could be a game developer. <laughs> I wasn't sure actually what to pursue in college and ended up pursuing engineering just because I had some engineers in my family. I liked math and problem solving. Mm-hmm. But my senior year of college, I met some game developers and quickly realized, oh my goodness, you can make video games and people who make video games are kind of like me. <laughs> so at That's that cool. point, I decided to, to try to pivot my career as quickly as possible. I actually did start out in biotech, but I began teaching myself mm-hmm. programming on the side and eventually started going to game development events and even working pro bono for some indie studios on various projects. Mm -hmm. So I worked really hard to build up my career and I've had many, many different roles uh, within the games industry. I started out as a producer and also did server development because at that time I was doing full stack HIPAA compliant server development and biotech. But Uh, I've also been a freelance games journalist. I was the marketing coordinator for Xbox Games with Gold. I've been a solution mm. architect, uh, a technical product manager, and uh, of course now I am the executive director of the IGDI. Wow, that's that's a pretty interesting and exciting path. Definitely a, a Jack or Jill of all trades. Um, where were those people that you met working at? Actually, a, m- a majority of them were working at Riot Games. I was a really big League of Legends player and Ah, I was fairly early in that community. So I ended up uh, meeting some rioters and learning about their studio. My college was actually not too far from Los Angeles. So I was able to pop over there, see their office, made a ton of wonderful lifelong friends there and, Hmm. um, and have made many, many friends throughout the game industry ever since. I remember being in E3 years and years and years back and and meeting some people from Riot, like, Back when it was really little, like I, I wish I had remembered who those people were, but um, it was very different than the riot now and stuff. So that's cool that you met those people and had an influence, and you know, importantly too, that you stayed friends, right? This industry, you really gravitate towards people of like mind and like interesting people. So I have lots of lifelong friends too from jobs decades ago, right? You know, that's that's one of the cool things. Yeah, I, I almost have a hard time picturing life as someone in a different industry because <laughs> there's there's so many wonderful, passionate people within games that I have made you know friendships with that I collaborate mm-hmm. with, and it, it's you know it's sometimes hard to sell, uh, separate your work from your hobbies. I mean, because <laughs> I play video games, I love video games, I love making video games. I still run my own studio on the side, making video games in addition to my other work. So mm-hmm. it's so easy for me to connect with game developers. Um, that I feel like if I wasn't in the games industry, I'd actually have a hard time figuring out how to make friends. No, you're right. It, it, it's, a, it's a really unique space. And um, yeah, once you get in and once you meet people, it's hard to think of doing anything different. What do you wish you had known when you'd started thinking back to that time? Gosh, there, there's so many things that I wish I, I had known. I think I, I think I wish I had more confidence initially. Um, mm-hmm. I wish I had dived into working on my personal projects earlier than I did. I'm really glad that I did, um, and it certainly helped build my career. But I think if I had started making small games at the very start and working on iterating them and doing more game jams and things like that, I'd have built up my portfolio and my skills and my confidence at a more rapid pace than I ended up doing. Yeah, and um, yeah, I I could see being a little intimidating, right? Because you're trying to pivot out of biotech, and you're like, okay, what am I going to, you know, do and stuff like that. So um, that makes sense. that's good advice too, right? Like just, you know, go for it and, um, and do those things. Game jams are great. 
stuff like that. Game jams are amazing. They're a great way to explore different disciplines if you're not sure specifically Mm -hmm. what you want to do in game development. And they're a great way to network while building your skills and your portfolio and really just promoting yourself. I'm Mm. really, really for self-promotion. I think that we could all benefit from doing things like hosting podcasts and (laughs) writing blogs and talking at local industry events and participating in game jams that not only build up your skills, but also build up your industry presence and allow Mm -hmm. you to establish connections and confidence and expertise within your field. 100% agree with that. What advice would you give someone looking to get their first job? Yeah. So if you're looking to get your first job within the games industry, having some sort of portfolio or resume that shows that you've been proactively engaging with games and game development, again, game jams, other activities like that is really wonderful. And Mm -hmm. then building those personal connections. If you don't have a local game development scene, there are many organizations and events that you can engage with virtually. The IGDA is one of those. You know, we have a Discord Mm -hmm. server with about 5,000 game developers for hosting. Really? It's 5,000? Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, and and almost all of them are professional game developers too. So we have an advice channel that is really popular because people throw up Hmm. their portfolios or their websites and they get really wonderful feedback and recommendations for where to apply for jobs, et cetera. And that's that's pretty invaluable advice. That's great. Like I've been to a few IGDA Chicago events and stuff and then, um, you know, COVID and everything and um, it's changed the playing field. So that's great that you have those online venues also and stuff like that. Yeah, we're really lucky. We launched our Discord server and our Twitch channel November 2019. So really right okay. right before COVID hit. Right. What about advice for someone trying to advance their career? Like, you know, you've been an engineer, producer, creative director, like, you know, that, that person in one of those roles, like wanting to take the next step at a company right now or for their career. What are your thoughts? Yeah, my, my two thoughts for people looking to further advance their career in game development are, again, self-promotion but also to look for mentorship. And I think that Mm -hmm. there's actually two ways to explore mentorship. Of course, having a mentor that is someone in your discipline with more years of experience who is willing to help you evaluate yourself, understand Mm -hmm. your weaknesses, give you resources and feedback so you can grow is really wonderful. Yeah. But you can also get a lot of feedback from peers and peers who are not even necessarily in your same discipline. Being able to talk with people in other disciplines and learn how they work and how to best collaborate with them is going to make you really stronger at what you do, no matter what that is. So if you're an engineer Mm -hmm. that better understands artists or designers, then you can make systems that integrate with their work that is going to be more helpful to them and and built in a way that that understands their needs. And it's going to make you a more active collaborator who can speak more intelligently about the different aspects of game development. It really helps with anything that you're architecting, whether that is the design of a game, the actual you know, systems in the game itself, or mm-hmm. or even you know the production pipeline for the game. Yeah, and um, I'm all for that idea too of people you know reaching out. Like we've tended to, and, and especially more in the past, it, it's been very kind of siloed. You know, where there's just you know artists only hang out with artists and only speak with artists and engineers and designers and and everyone kind of stays in their own lane and then when there's miscommunication there's suspicion and there's animosity and all that kind of stuff so you know the more that you can cross discipline and talk with other people and understand what they're doing and getting an appreciation for it 
know, break down those barriers and, and just be able to communicate with others, I think helps a lot. Absolutely. Game development requires so many disciplines coming together and being able to be more collaborative and work with each other and really direct yourselves together to finish your goals is the best way to make a, a wonderful product that's really going to thrill your audience. And, and kind of bleeding into that, like, um, what about your advice on developing interpersonal skills, you know, EQ, soft skills, stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, soft skills are something that I have found the most valuable um, throughout my my time. Mm-hmm. Many people don't actually realize this, um, but I had terrible soft skills when I was younger. I was definitely a, a black sheep. I, I didn't get along with my peer group very well when I was when I was younger. But as I was working throughout my career and, and trying to get into the game development industry, I learned how important it was for soft skills, not just for networking, but with really building friendships and uh, helpful teams and you know other types of, of relationships that not only mm-hmm. enabled your career, but the projects that you were working on. I've found resources. Podcasts like this are really great. Uh, I like books. So um, my favorite book of all time when it comes to soft skills, at least from a leadership side, is Mm -hmm. Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull. Hmm. I've not heard of that. And I was going to ask you about resources. So that's great. I'll have to put that in the show notes. Yeah. uh, It's not specific to game development. Uh, Ed Catmull uh, was one of the co-founders of Pixar and is currently like the head of Pixar and the VP of Disney Animation. Okay. But he talks about how to navigate a field that requires both cutting edge technical uh, innovation as well right. as creativity and storytelling, which is mm-hmm. exactly what a lot of games require. And so balancing that creative side with the technical side and getting everyone to collaborate and feel like equal contributors, it really mm-hmm. talks through a lot of necessary soft skills and considerations. And I think that book alone has made me such a better leader. I'll definitely check that out because yeah, when you think of technical and you know story and soft skills, you know Pixar, that's right there, right? Like they're they're always pushing the envelope with technical, and then um, you know the stories really resonate with the audiences. So absolutely, and I think another great way to build soft skills is to you know work on self reflection and empathy. I think mm-hmm. it's very easy to be reactive in any particular moment, and mm-hmm. trying to step back from that and evaluate you no. Know, why you're feeling the way you're feeling, why other people are, are acting or saying the things that they might be. And then to approach that from a more calm state of mind uh, is really wonderful. Mm-hmm. A book which does that well. Oh my goodness. I'm going to totally mess up the, yeah. the title of it. Um, oh yeah. Crucial Conversations. That's it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. But then uh, show notes too. Absolutely. Yeah. Crucial Conversations is a really wonderful book that allows you to evaluate collaboration and conflict resolution, Mm -hmm. especially just ensuring that everyone who's engaged with the conversation is engaged in a place of safety, not in a place of defensiveness. Mm. And it is so easy for people to get defensive over really tiny things and not even necessarily realize it. So uh, Crucial Conversations talks about not only how to help other people feel like they're safe contributing to the conversation, mm-hmm. but to also stop yourself from when you're being reactive. And that is super helpful for any team member. Uh, it allows yeah. you to take critical feedback uh, with more grace. It allows you to be more collaborative and active in conversations. Mm-hmm. And it is super important for leadership because 
as a leader, you need to have a calm head. Yeah, you, you just get tired of reading all these articles about tyrants who are leaders and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, whatever we can do to share resources like that and, and help the future of, of people uh, get smarter uh, about how to deal with situations and not just flip tables. And Absolutely. I, I think that a good leader certainly has a calm head and a good leader attributes all of the successes to their team and mm-hmm. accepts any failures personally. That's a big deal. And not everyone can figure that out yet. You know, here we are in 2022 and there's plenty of people that haven't figured that out. So no, that's great. What's been your favorite like game or project uh, to work on? Oh my. Um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be very selfish with this and say that mm-hmm. my game that I'm currently working on potions cool. of curious tale is probably my favorite title to work on. It's also my most difficult, uh, because it's my baby, right? Like yeah. all of the motivation to push it forward comes from me. Uh, I have just hired on two designers, which have been absolute lifesavers because it's really difficult designing such a large content-based game uh, all by yourself and getting some critical feedback from them and incorporating their ideas has been really freeing, actually. Yeah. Allows me to to focus on on other problems. But uh, as a quick pitch for people who probably haven't heard about it, uh, Potions, A Curious Tale is an adventure crafting game where you play as Hmm. a young witch named Luna. Uh, who's recently discovered her ability to brew magical potions. And she can use these potions as spells to battle monsters and solve puzzles and overcome other obstacles on her quest to become a potions master. Cool. So it actually brings together fairy tale and folklore from around the world in this expansive uh, setting with various biomes and in-world puzzles and all sorts of uh, dungeons and things like that, where you really mm-hmm. just get to explore the world while collecting ingredients for your potions and meeting all of these wonderful characters from myth and lore. Like, like where are you adding in the development on that right now? So we released the alpha in December 2020, and we're okay. currently working on the beta right now. Uh, we're hoping to have the beta by this summer and mm-hmm. maybe a release before end of year. But with such a content-heavy game, it depends on on so many different factors. Yeah. And what platform or platforms do I say? Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, please go to patreon.com backslash game dev advice. We'd love to see if you can support the show and help uh, new episodes keep coming out. That's patreon.com backslash game dev advice. Thanks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, Right now, the only promised releases are on PC, Mac, and Linux. However, we Mm -hmm. have full controller support. So we are looking at launching on consoles as well. Wow, and Linux too. Uh, that's that's cool. I, I definitely wanted to do a nod to Linux. Uh, when I started working on the game, Steam had actually been pushing forward the the Steam box. So having mm. Linux compatibility was beneficial. Yeah. So what are you curious about right now in the industry? Um, there's so many things. One of the white papers that, that the IGA published uh, that I actually wrote this last summer is mm-hmm. Guide for Game Companies, How to Create and Sustain a Positive Work Culture. 
And I think we are seeing a bit of a cultural revolution when it comes to studios and how they're working, particularly some of the the larger studios. Mm -hmm. That's really necessary. Of course, you know, there's been a lot of press about toxic studio culture and harassment and people not getting the opportunities and support that they deserve. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's a good sign that these are coming to light because a lot of these problems have been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people feel empowered to bring them forward and discuss them is a really good sign. And I think we're seeing a lot of not only reactive, but proactive efforts from various game studio leadership and companies and even you know, workers, you know, game developers themselves. Mm-hmm. And pushing our industry forward to be more supportive of all game developers. Yeah, we have to keep evolving and growing. Like it, it's, it, I get frustrated because sometimes I'd, I think it's just too slow. And why are we still talking about some of these things in 2022? So um, I'm glad to see the um, the push and, and there's a paper out there and stuff like that and just giving people tools how to 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 be better at this. You know, it, we can't keep doing the same things we've done in the. 80s and 90s and 2000s, we have to evolve. We have to get better. Definitely. And I think it is really interesting because game developers fully admit that we need to be very iterative when it comes to game development. You know, mm-hmm. Very rarely does anyone make the game that they initially set, sit right. down yeah. and think they're going to make. Right? Exactly. It requires a lot of iteration and testing and, and consideration and changes. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's required in leadership as well. Yeah. Right. Get a little bit better each day and, and keep evolving and iterating and not just like, well, that's the way we've always done it. So we're just going to do it that way. You know, it's like we have to keep getting better. So exactly. I'm all a thousand percent for that. What potential threats do you see to the industry and, and opportunities? I, there's so many different changes, obviously, within games. It's really interesting to to see how it's being pushed forward. I yeah. think the metaverse conversation is pretty interesting. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because of how different companies are looking to sort of control what they consider to be the metaverse. <laughs> right. um, but when I when I look at the metaverse, I think of something like the World Wide Web, where everybody has their own part and nobody owns all of it. Right. And it is yeah. more collaborative and more free. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like any one company can own a own true it. metaverse because then it's it's not the metaverse. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. right. It, it's our verse, right? Yeah, it's totally got to be that way. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say that's like a threat though. Um, I just uh-huh. think it's an interesting problem. Yeah. But what about opportunities? Like, what are you really excited about? Jeez, I'm excited about everything. Uh, one of the things that I'm really excited about is with so many more people turning their attention to games, mm-hmm. um, games of all different types, I think that we're going to see a lot of growth in the industry and in the creativity of different developers breaking into it. I think that Mm -hmm. as much as the pandemic has been extremely unfortunate and and very difficult and very costly in in many ways to many people, Mm -hmm. I think there is an advantage in how it has not only pushed people towards games, but pushed technology and collaboration forward, which has opened up game development to a wider world than ever before. Yeah, totally agree with that. And, And the fact that you can collaborate and work remotely with people all over the country, over the world and stuff like that, um, really open people's eyes to like expand your network and, you know, think globally and stuff like that. What about your thoughts on AR and VR? I know you've done some stuff on the, especially on the VR side. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've done both. Um, I worked on Wonderscope, brief history, a brief history of amazing stunts actually won a children's BAFTA for uh, its work. And it's sort of an AR storytelling, Mm -hmm. not, I want to call it necessarily a game, but like interactive experience, interactive storytelling experience. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think AR and VR are just really amazing 
immersive ways to interact with, with content. And I mm-hmm. expect that they will become only more and more prevalent with time because immersive experiences are really inspiring. They create better empathy. They create mm-hmm. more engaged experiences, you know, sort of a sense of wonder and awe. So yeah, I, I know that there's a lot of issues with the technology, but it's getting better and better with time. And there's so many companies investing in it. So I see that really growing um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to the future of it because I know that I personally want to hook into some MMO and go slay dragons for a living, but uh, <laughs> probably like another decade before I get there. Right. No, but yeah, it is exciting just, just to see how the technology is improving and getting better and, and less expensive and wider audiences and all those kind of things. So yeah. yeah. And that's, that's sort of like a, like an upward spiral, right? Mm-hmm. The the less expensive the technology gets, the more adoption it's going to have, the more adoption it's going to have, the more money that's going into supporting the content and the more money that's supporting and going the content, the more cool content there's going to be. And it's just going to fuel more people getting um, those headsets, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's truly going to thrive over the next decade or so. For a while, there was like the gold rush for VR and then, I don't know, five, eight years ago. And then it was like people like, oh, that didn't work out and it retracted, but but now it's coming back, you know, so there's this kind of ebb and flow to, to it, but it's going to keep going up, right? It's just um, at what speed and and when it's, it's not like it's going away or by any stretch of the imagination. And it is more immersive and uh, that sense of awe, like you get sometimes when you, especially on VR, you're just like get blown away when you put the headset on. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. When I was when I was working at within, my parents came down to LA to visit and being able to put them in a VR headset for the first time mm-hmm. and see them interact with game content, including my mom. I mean, right. my mom doesn't play video games outside of Candy Crush, <laughs> but seeing her intuitively know how to use VR because it just makes sense yeah. uh, and being yeah. able to really engage with that experience was was really fun. I, I really enjoyed getting to see them feel mm-hmm. yeah, feel immersed and inspired. Yeah, no, that's great. What about a funny or odd story from working in the industry? Oh my goodness. Um I haven't thought about like funny or odd stories. Yeah. Let's see. I don't know if this is a funny story, um, mm-hmm. but the, I, I guess it's kind of funny. So, uh, you know, I've been working on this game, Potions, A Curious Tale. Uh, it involves a young witch. And when I've been thinking about it, I've been thinking about the audience uh, in terms of like people who like The Legend of Zelda uh, because it has a similar <laughs> world exploration. It's, you know, adventure, action adventure. And so when I was writing down like my initial design documents, I was looking at my target audience. I was like, okay, uh, men and women, 18 to 35, because that tends to be sort of the the main Zelda audience. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to PAX and Mm -hmm. I showed off potions and got decent engagement. And I, I, I saw it as confirmation that that was my audience. Mm-hmm. But then I ended up signing up for a local convention called Geek Girl Con in Seattle, mm. which is in celebration of the female geek. And <laughs> cool. um, I, I contacted them and they had never had a video game show there before. They mostly had a uh, card game and uh, board game booths. Okay. And so I asked them, you know, are you going to have electricity? Like, can I set up? <laughs> right. So I, I set up there and you know, brought a TV down to play a trailer and, and brought some laptops down so people could play test it. Mm-hmm. And 
my booth got absolutely swarmed. Wow. Um, That's exciting. By, by, by all these like eight to 14 year old girls. And I didn't huh. realize it, it makes sense, right? You know, mm-hmm. the main character is a 12 year old, witch. it's, it's fantasy and fairy tales and, you know, mm. strong, interesting female characters. And I yeah. didn't think about that. Of course, I'm basically designing the game that a younger, my younger self would have enjoyed playing. Yeah. And, um, it was just really, really, I, I feel silly for not realizing that would be an ideal target audience. And uh, it was really inspiring to see as well. Yeah, I had some parents come up to me and their their second grader was besides herself um, about the game. And hmm. she was just so excited. And they came up and pulled me to the side and said, hey, thank you so much. No, uh, our daughter has been bullied in school for liking Minecraft because they say video games are for boys. And so the fact that you're here, I like, you know, you're, you're a woman, you're, mm-hmm. you're developing this game. Yeah. It's a game that has a, a girl as a main character. It means so much to her. So thank you. And I tear wow. up every single time I, I talk about that. Um, so half funny, half inspiring, but, but that's mm-hmm. probably one of the most outstanding things that has happened to me within the games industry so far. Wow. That had to be really rewarding just to, um, to have those kind of responses and just be caught off guard and be like, wow, look at all these, this audience I didn't even think about. And yeah, of course it makes sense. This really resonates with them. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's great. Quite literally a girl showed up at the booth wearing a witch costume <laughs> and pointed to the trailer and looked at her mom and says, mom, mom, look, it's me. And oh, <laughs> wow. if that's not just the cutest thing ever. Yeah. No, it's, it's awesome. What games are you playing now that you're excited about? Well, I'm, I'm ramping up on Dauntless. I, I had actually mm. played Dauntless upon launch, um, but World of Warcraft's my old friend. I've been in the same guild for the last 15 years. So 15, uh, 15, 15 years? 15 years, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Damn, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're basically my second family. Um, but I've been having a lot of fun with Dauntless. I, I'm uh-huh. really enjoying ramping up on it. I think it's a gorgeous game. They've done a lot of really cool things with the effects and the monsters. Um, I played Monster Hunter a lot when I was uh, right. when I was younger. So I really like that type of action game. Um, mm-hmm. so that's been fun. I've been exploring, you know, indie titles. Uh, I actually, I had never gotten into the Dishonored series. So I started playing through hmm. the Dishonored series again. And, uh, well for me the first time, but that has been, it's, it's fun because you can approach it in so many different ways, right? Like you can totally be a bloodthirsty maniac and <laughs> slaughter everyone. Right. Um, I'm not doing that, but I'm also right. not going the ghost mode. I'm trying to be careful and stealthy and uh-huh. it's really thrilling. Um, I I've totally like messed up things and just like been flailing around <laughs> and, and that sense of like panic and excitement and success when you do escape after accidentally jumping in a fireplace when you're trying to jump up on the mantle mm-hmm. uh, is great. I haven't been playing some games lately, so yeah, no, that's great. Dishonored is um, an older series, but it was really popular. Is there anything I should have asked you about but didn't? Oh, goodness. Um, so one thing that I've noticed for people trying to build their careers is that they're often really, really conservative about you know, promoting themselves or talking about themselves. Mm-hmm. People don't often give credit to how much their knowledge means to somebody who hasn't reached that point. You can be a junior gameplay engineer and still have useful things to tell people who haven't broken into the industry yet. 
Yeah, and totally. creating those materials, creating those tutorials, you know, creating those dev blogs or whatever it is, mm-hmm. not only helps you practice talking about those materials, setting yourself up as an expert, but it uplifts the people who are trying to break in. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what your discipline is. It doesn't matter how much experience you have. As long as you know a little bit, mm-hmm. that's enough to share. No, that's, that's great feedback. And um, yeah, you're right. People are like, well, you know, I've only worked in the game industry a few years, but it's like, yeah, but like share that, right? Like, what are you doing and how did you get in and what advice do you have for people? Because, um, you know, that's gold to some people that are still trying to get their first uh, first job and stuff. So, yeah, don't be bashful about it and don't don't downplay it. So Absolutely. One of the best ways to approach it is to talk to yourself from six months ago or a year ago. Like, write the things that you wish you had known back then. Mm-hmm. Where can people find you online? Like, uh, website, Twitter, stuff like that. Twitter's a really easy way to find me. I'm mm-hmm. Riku Cat, R-I-K-U-K-A-T. You can just type in Renee Gittens. Uh, <laughs> pretty easy to find. Right. I'm a, I have a, a strong online presence. Um, okay. And if anyone listens to this and they're interested in connecting, by all means, follow me on Twitter, at me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to help people in the industry connect. Mm-hmm. I might be stepping down from my executive director role, but I'm still going to be intimately involved with the IGDA because... I really do love giving back to this industry because it's given so much to me and so many people have supported me in it. And I'm really happy to help uplift other people within the industry and help our next generation of game developers. No, that's great to hear. Yeah. And especially the giving back part and stuff like that. That's, that's really generous and cool of you. Um, last question, like what's one piece of advice you'd give others working in the industry right now? Um, the one piece of advice that I give people working in the industry right now is probably to be kind to yourselves. We're two years in the pandemic. We've had a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. You know, I, I would usually say like promote yourself or like reach out to others. Yeah. But I think giving yourself a break is probably the the biggest thing because we've reached the point where the pandemic to an extent feels normal, right? Yeah. We've done it for two years but it's not normal. It's a lot of stressors. There's a lot that you have to deal with. Mm -hmm. So if you're not as productive as you'd like to be every week, every day, that's perfectly fine. You need to, you know, eat well, exercise, get outside a bit Mm -hmm. if you can. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you need to, yeah, sure. Try to set goals and try to track along those, but don't beat yourself up if you don't meet all of them because it's been hard times. It's been hard times. Yeah. We're in this strange space, right? Like it's just, it's so different. So yeah, I think part of it too, is just, you know, taking care of yourself, coming up through routines, like figuring out ways to, you know, get up earlier and maybe, you know, exercise a little bit or or just sit and um, get some energy and just kind of ways to take care of yourself and others. Absolutely. Well, great. Thanks for listening to this episode of Game Dev Advice, the Game Developers Podcast. Go to the website at gamedevadvice.com and you can find the show notes along with show notes for all the other episodes. Please also check out the new Patreon page at patreon.com backslash gamedevadvice. Have a lot of options up there for how you can support the show. Again, that's patreon.com backslash gamedevadvice. Thanks again for listening and being part of the show. Take care. Bye-bye.